fashion. Fashion. Beauty. Beautiful. And you have no style or sense of fashion. My name is Joyce, and I'm a shopaholic. I like my money right where I can see it, hanging in my closet. So I am going to show you guys how I do my makeup. This is my trusty makeup bag. I already have my foundation and concealer on. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Welcome to Fashion Avenue, the podcast for fashion and beauty lovers to get inspired to follow their dreams by hearing from special guests while also soaking up the latest news and what's trending right now. I'm your host, Amber Lowther. I'm a journalist and fashion professional who understands what it's like to have big dreams and wanting to reach them. Ebony, thank you for joining me on Fashion Avenue. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm really interested to know about teenager Ebony. Yeah. So I read that you started working when you were 13. Is that right? It is. It is right. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you yeah. start doing? Well, a couple of really interesting things. My very, my first ever job, I was actually 12 and I was just in a fruit shop. So I, yeah. I I went there with my best friend and we asked if they had any work and I remember they paid us three dollars twenty five an hour and we would wrap the fruit out the back of the fruit shop <laughs> and yeah so that was just an after school thing I think it was Saturday mornings or something like that then we moved on to a cafe job and we were just stoked because it was five dollars an hour and we, did that, <laughs> we did that on the weekends and then I started working in cafe so yeah I've been, I've actually not stopped working I didn't I didn't have a little job and then leave I moved into kind of working in restaurants and stuff after school like wow, look in at the you evenings go. and stuff yeah I started Man, young 12 years so, old god yeah. I was probably still playing with Barbies or something <laughs> I wanted pocket money and I had to make it myself yeah, absolutely. Good <laughs> on you. Yeah. And you started your journey in fashion in your early 20s. So where did that interest in fashion come from? Just a lifetime of creating clothing by myself and designing clothing. I grew up around my mother and my grandmother who both made their own clothes. So they yeah. would make their own dance costumes, you know, all that sort of stuff. So they, they taught me how to sew. And I quickly figured out that I could make, if I, if I thought of something, I could make it myself. So, you know, just a lifetime of doing that, just an avid op shopper. I don't Absolutely. put together all sorts of things as a teenager. So yeah, yeah. Just a it was just a lifetime of creating clothing and kind of and then I figured out that I could turn it into a business. So oh, that's so interesting. And can I ask, like how did you end up funding your first business? You know, being so young, being in your early twenties, how did you how did you fund that? So I actually had a full-time job at the time at the time that I decided to start the brand and take the leap. I, ha- I had a full-time job. I'm pretty sure I went to the bank and got a furniture loan or something really <laughs> funny like that. I think I got a $15,000 furniture loan and I was sure, made sure to do that before I left my full-time job to start the business because I ended up leaving my full-time job to go back to waitressing of a night time so I could focus on the business during the day. So, yeah, from memory, it was a funny furniture loan or something like that of $15,000 that kind of that funded the first little production because, you know, it starts tiny, starts mm-hmm. tiny. I, you know, I think I, I flew to Bali and I did a sample set of about 12 pieces and I, oh, my God, the amount that I did in the build-up, I look back at it now and think, how did my 22-year-old self do that? But, yeah, that was how I funded it. So it was also That's like, incredible. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have anyone to go to ask for that sort of money and I just kind of took a leap and... And did it. I love that. Yeah. A furniture loan. <laughs> furniture loan or something. And I actually think I remember the guy in the bank kind of going, wink, wink, let's say it's a furniture <laughs> loan. Way I, and I remember walking out of there and thinking, did he just do me a favour? Because I actually think he did. Wow. But yeah, 
So that was how it was funded. Wow. If only he could see you now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know, it's very funny. <laughs> and so after getting your furniture loan, you launched your first label, Ebony Eve. Can you tell me what that was like and what gap you were trying to fill with that brand? Yeah, sure. Do you want the whole process? Or oh, yeah. Want- yeah, all right, okay. Absolutely. So what I did, and I was chatting to a friend about this the other day, it was quite funny. So the whole process is, so I went, so I went, I first of all, I booked a ticket to Bali and I flew to Bali and I literally rode around and I found a factory that I could work with and I made about a 15-piece collection. I um, brought it back to Australia and prior to uh, going back to waitressing, I was working in a photographic studio in Richmond as a stylist. So I kind of had an idea of how to produce photo shoots and what to do and that sort of stuff So because I had been doing it for a couple of years. So I brought my collection back to Australia, called on some friends in the photographers and stuff that I'd been working with, shot a little lookbook, I then got them printed, physically printed, and I remember getting, I think I got 30 of them physically printed or maybe 40, and I picked, I located, I decided on 30 boutiques Australia-wide that I was going to send them to. And so it was back, this is, you know, it's 20 years ago, so just like cold calling an email and like it kind of, I did it, it was very different. So I remember I might have even written a letter and (laughs) so I had a lookbook and a letter and I sent the lookbooks to the boutique and I think I got... I think I got 12 orders and I think I got $30,000 worth of orders from memory wow. from doing that. And it was all kind of about this one silk full bodysuit that I, that, I, that I made. And, yeah, it just kind of evolved on from that. And then I, it was really funny. Like I remember I had, no, I had no idea what I was doing. Every time I needed to do something, I'd have to figure it out for myself. I remember calling. I remember one of the stores emailing me or calling me and asking me for a credit note. And just kind of going, no problem. And I had to call one of the boutiques that I was friends with and say, what's a credit <laughs> So I just figured it out as I went, just bit by bit. Oh, I've got to do invoicing. Oh, I've got to do credit notes. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then it just kind of rolls on and rolls on and rolls on. And then all of a sudden, oh, what's a fashion agent? Oh, people, there's fashion agents. Oh, that was not my question. <laughs> and so I kind of figured out all of that and I, um, I managed to, uh, signed with a fashion agency actually really early on I think in about the second collection mm, yeah they kind of it kind of things just kind of came to me it was weird it was weird like you know I would need something and it would just be there and it was just wow. kind of it just kind of evolved so naturally that's incredible yeah and then you know it was a really different time then though it was time of the boutiques econ wasn't really a thing yet yeah so, yeah so and and what started. year and what year did you start um Ebony Eve and then what year did you end up closing So Ebony Eve from memory was 2006 or would that be right? Hang on. What are we now? No, maybe earlier than that. So I was, was, it was 21 years ago. Wow. (laughs) What year is that? 2002. (laughs) 2002, 2002. yeah. So I started Ebony Eve then and I closed Ebony Eve when August started, which I'm pretty sure was 2015. Wow. I was it 2005 I started it. And, yeah, so it just kind of evolved. It evolved on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really funny, actually. Another memory that's come up was when I was, when Ebony Eve was getting quite big, I would work so hard. I would work all day on the business and then I would waitress at night and I'd get home from my waitressing job at like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And if I was sending out orders, my whole house, my whole apartment was floor to ceilings of boxes and I would pack orders until, you know, like three or four in the morning and then I'd sleep for a while 
and then I'd get up and I'd keep packing orders and doing the invoices and then I'd go back to my waitressing job. Oh my and god. Like, and that went on for that went on for a couple of years. I was a one man show. Wow. I worked so hard. It was did you have a social life? Yeah, I did. But I was wow. young. You could you could yeah. party all night and go to work all day then. Yeah, you have all the energy. <laughs> I was like, I was earning I was achieving heaps of things. I had to hit to yoga, drank wine Amazing. all night, still worked all day. So piece of cake. Yeah, try doing that now. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> and so starting August label in 2015, yeah. where did the inspiration come from? Because I know you also, you live in Byron Bay. Was there a little yeah. bit of inspo from there? Yeah, well, I actually, at the time I started August, was living in Bali. So I lived oh, okay. in Bali for 13 years. I So I was living there. When I started August, it was off the back of, you know, just noticing. So so a couple of things happened. Ebony Eve wasn't doing that well. There was probably a few contributing factors. I think that the brand had kind of gone off track and it wasn't really 100% clear on what the aesthetic was. It was also at the time that the middle market in the Australian fashion industry kind of fell away. You know, mm-hmm. all the big chains started coming. There was a lot of kind of fast fashion stores coming in, a lot of, you know, Zara, all those sorts of things coming yeah. on the high streets. The boutique market was start, it was changing and it was just kind of high end. So it wasn't as easy and e-com started. It wasn't as easy to just have your, you know, handful of boutiques and loyal boutiques that you sold to all the time it was changing. And it 100% would have had to do with the product. So I was almost actually, I remember having a conversation with my sister about it and going, you know, it's not doing that well. What should I do? And I remember her saying, you're really employable. Don't worry, you can just get a job. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get a job. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, do I have to get a job? Am I employable? I'm not sure if I'm and I went back to Bali and I was, and it was at the time when that really kind of bohemian trend was going nuts. And I kind of saw a gap in the market for that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to create a bohemian range. I'm going to do two collections, two, two brands. One's going to be super mainstream bohemian commercial. One's going to be Ebony Eve. And I remember shooting it, shooting the collection. I made a little, I made a little collection. I shot the campaign at the, at the, on the back of a Ebony Eve collection. I shot it in like two hours. And we sold them alongside each other. And that first sell, August sold, it equaled the Ebony Eve orders. Holy moly. In the second sell, it doubled them and Ebony Eve went to bed straight away. Oh, my God. It was really, really quick. And you, and we were lucky because with Ebony Eve, I had all the foundations laid for a really successful business. I just didn't have a successful business. So the infrastructure was there. It was all there. So we were able to handle the really fast growth that we went through with August in the initial few years. So had we not had that business before, it probably would have been a bit bumpy, but we were ready. And so when it happened, we were like, yes. My God, that's incredible. Wow. Like obviously having that foundation there, you knew what you were doing. That's just incredible that it just blew up like that. Yeah. I mean, it was timing. Everything's timing. Yeah. And also that was kind of when e-com was starting to blow up. Like it's so incredible how the industry has evolved over the last 20 years. I'm talking like it's almost like we're talking about a caveman time to what we're talking about now. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it, it would evolve every couple of years. It would change a little bit back then. Now it evolves every every few months with yeah. technology and what, what's happening and what you're learning and what you have to be across, you know. Yeah. Like back then I was a fashion designer, I was a creative. Now I'm I'm like a head of digital. You know what yeah. I mean? Like what you've got to know and what you've got to understand to have a business, a fashion business in this in this world that we're in now, mm-hmm. it's a totally different 
totally yeah. different ballgame. And especially, you know, now it's so digital centric yeah. and, you know, learning everything about e-commerce yeah. and, you know, digital marketing and things yeah. like that. It's a whole new ballgame to what it used to be like, right? Yeah, it's a beast. It's a totally, yeah. it's totally different. And you can have the best product on earth. But if you know, if you haven't got your digital set up right, if your e-com store isn't functioning properly, if you're not getting it out there in with digital marketing and with marketing and with your Instagram, everything like that, forget it. You're just like it. It almost won't work. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's just getting the balance of all of that sort of stuff, right? Obviously, That's product is always key. It's always number one. But yeah, there's so many other factors that you've got to get right now. Absolutely yeah. agreed. And yeah. what are August's brand values, and how would you describe your customer? So our brand values are really around philanthropy and giving back and raising awareness. We practice a lot of sustainable practices within the business. We use all natural fibres. We have, you know, potato starch packaging. We have all SEDEX accredited factories and stuff like that. But we don't use yet all um, sustainable or organic fabrications as yet. You know, we're getting we're getting there, but it is a big it's a big process and it's a big sort of thing to get to. Our emphasis is more kind of around philanthropy and giving back, raising awareness. We were mum, we 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 have been since we since we started members of One Percent for the Planet, which is a really fantastic charity. We actually since we started we 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 have been members, and that's kind of you donate 1% of your total revenue back to charities. But with 1% for the planet, it's, 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 all, it's all earth-based. So we actually recently decided to step out of 1% for the planet so that we could start connecting with charities that are kind of more human-based or, you know, just having the flexibility around what charities we, we partner with. So, yeah, and then second part of your question, who is our customer? I mean, I think that she is unapologetically feminine. She's not necessarily trend-driven. She's not ashamed to be, you know, just, just own that floral maxi dress or, you know, the clothes have always been made with the kind of intention to wear to, to create something that makes a woman just slip into and feel really beautiful, really flattering silhouettes, easy to wear silhouettes, nothing too, too kind of revealing or, or, or body hugging. I'm always kind of talking to my designers about the art of designing simply. You know, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an art to designing a dress that has just got nearly nothing on it just makes somebody feel really special and and it's a flattering silhouette and it's you know and going back to I guess your brand ethics and fabrics why is this so important to you and also why is it so important to you to work with charities as well I mean honestly as a person and as a soul probably if I had a choice of what I did with my life it would be something of value and something giving back but at the end of the day that doesn't necessarily pay the rent so I kind of said from the get-go that once we have a platform and once we're generating enough revenue to be able to raise awareness and have a voice and give back, then we would. So for me, it's really exciting to have a platform to be able to do these things. I just, honestly, I just think everybody should do it. That's probably a bit opinionated and a bit pushy, but, it, but I kind of just think, you know, there's so much happening out there that needs light shone on it. And yeah, just 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 happy to be able to do that. I'm really passionate about earth. I'm really passionate about animals. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but obviously also children and humans. So just like all, yeah. all, all the different sort of charities that we can work with, I just think, I just think it's good to use a platform if you have one. 
Hello, here's this week's news and what's trending. Cosmetic Avenue is opening on the Gold Coast. The premium cosmetic treatments and cosmetic dentistry clinic is soon to launch its first clinic outside of Victoria and they have chosen somewhere pretty close to me, the Gold Coast. The new clinic promises a comprehensive range of state-of-the-art treatments for both face and body. The new clinic can be found at the Brickworks Centre on Ferry Road in Southport. Cosmetic Avenue Gold Coast will be officially open to the public from September 25th. Creative Director of Alexander McQueen, Sarah Burton, will be leaving the house after 13 years. Alexander McQueen's Chief Executive, Gianfilippo Testa, said, We would like to express our immense gratitude to Sarah for writing such an important chapter in the history of the Alexander McQueen house. Now, Sarah Burton is known to be the designer behind Kate Middleton's royal wedding dress and also worked with the Princess of Wales to create a dress for Queen Elizabeth. Elizabeth II's funeral and the 2018 wedding of Harry and Meghan. Sarah Burton's successor will be announced in due course. German shoe brand Birkenstock has filed for an initial public offering or IPO in the New York Stock Exchange and has been valued at more than $8 billion. The brand plans to be listed from October 9, so keep your eyes peeled. The Sephora Beauty Pass sale is now on for all Australian members. Sephora will be offering up to 15% off site-wide for white tier members and up to 25% off for black and gold tier members. The sale is open for all members right now and will be running until September 17th. So make sure you don't miss out on your favourites. Now for what's trending this week and for once, it's not a TikTok trend, it's a fashion week trend. Now look, the New York Fashion Week runway has said it all when it comes to hair accessories. Now ribbon is now going to be the it hair accessory for the next season. There were a lot of ballet inspired looks that we've seen from nice little flats to bonal art. So now expect to see people adding ribbons and bows to their buns, ponytails, braids, all other hairstyles and doing it in a creative way. Absolutely. I yeah. think that's awesome. And, yeah. you know, you've you've worked with some environmental and charitable causes, mm-hmm. One Tree Planted, Koala Adoption, UN mm-hmm. Women and more. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that and as well yeah. as August Against Bullying? So, yes, we've worked with a lot of animal charities. We've donated oh, so much money over the years to the Borneo Orangutan Foundation. And... Yeah, obviously animals and earth and the Marine Conservation Society. And then when, when you know, issues happen in the world, like the bushfires, obviously we always jump on board. Mm. But in terms of the kind of human charities that we're really focused on, one, UN Women, which I thought was really important to kind of, you know, donate money and raise awareness for all of the mothers and the sisters and the, the daughters and the women within our lives and within the world that, you know, need need, need that support. They're doing some incredible things. And then August Against Bullying was something that came up just, you know, in this world of social media, in this world of cyberbullying, in this world of domestic violence, in this, mm. you know, in this world where there's so much bullying. I just thought it was a nice, it was, well, it's not nice, but I just wanted to kind of 
raise a bit of awareness and create a charity around that. Just, you know, I've got daughters and they're at school and they're, they're, mm. they experience mild bullying. Yeah. As most kids do, you hear about all sorts of things, the cyberbullying that we all hear about, the, the, the suicide rate, the, you know, everything that's mm. going on in the world. It's just our little way of kind of doing a little bit of something for it. Yeah, and we came up with the slogan hero because, you know, anybody who stands up for someone who's being bullied is a hero in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was just that's where that one came from. I love that. As someone who was viciously cyberbullied when they were a teenager, mm. I think that's incredible and yeah. we need to see more of that and good on yeah. you for doing that because I wish I had something like that or, mm. you know, more people standing up for me in that time. Exactly. So, and it's hard. Yeah. I was bullied as a primary school kid. Right. And it's different back then. Obviously, there was no, there was nothing digital, but I remember spending most of my lunches sitting behind the library by myself because this bunch of girls were mean to me. And it's just, it's just, you know, if you get through it and you've got the right people around you that can help you kind of see it for what it is, I think it can be, I suppose, in a way, character building. It, it gives you strength. It gives you resilience. But it's something that you carry through your whole life and it's just not necessary. It's yeah, awful. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It it's is awful. awful. And people need to just not be mean. <laughs> I know. Like, no, do something else. I <laughs> know. No. Use less muscles in your face to just smile, right? Be yeah, nice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And going back to Augusta Label and all of your beautiful designs, how do you keep dreaming up these designs and what's your design process like? So I won't lie, there's mental blocks. <laughs> yep <laughs> feels <laughs> you know, there's days where I can't design a dress and there's days where I'll design a hundred yeah honestly it just comes from a love of dresses and it just like obviously you're taking in everything that's happening in the world and you're reminded mm. of all the different areas and the different and how you can merge this with that and all of those stuff you know so it's always different I often design my design process generally starts with a print and I'll come up with a print and then I'll you know put that into the blocks and I'll, I'll be or I'll see something or I'll remember something or I'll go to some vintage stores and I'll find something. I've got like a huge amount of inspiration that, that comes from vintage trawling, yeah, a lifetime of vintage trawling. Yes. And also for me, you know, it's not about, it's, I suppose in a sense what I design for me anyway, it's a little bit easier because it's not, I'm not, we're not trying to be fashionable or set the next mm. trend. We're just trying to create beautiful pieces that are feminine and that make a woman feel good that, you know, that that hopefully transcends trends a little bit. Yeah. We're not going after the high, high fashion girl. We're really the middle market. Yeah. And that's the commercial, you know, the mum that just wants to feel good, you know, the dresses that we don't often go over $249 on the price. Yeah. So super affordable. Yeah, absolutely. Generally speaking, it starts with a print. Lovely. And so you opened a Byron Bay boutique. When did you open the doors and what was the process like getting to that? Honestly, it wasn't much of a process. We just kind of saw a store and thought, let's put some clothes in it. Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of just came up. So, you know, it was pretty straightforward. My partner, Jochen, he does all of our store fit outs and all of that sort of stuff. So we found a really cute little shop and we got him to come in and make up look pretty and then we literally just hung clothes on the rack. Yeah, I think we opened it. I think we opened it in 2015. Nice. And yeah, it's it was it used to pump back back the the tourist sort of market back here was a bit busier back then and pre the Mm. world going mad. Yes. 
So, yeah, no, it's it's a really good little store. We love it. We've refurbished it a couple of times since then. And Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah I have been in it before. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm going, so I live in Brisbane. I'm going yeah. down to Byron this weekend for a friend's birthday. So I'm going to have to pop in again. Oh, yeah. I haven't been there in a little while. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah. yeah. So you've done all of this and more raising two daughters, like mm-hmm. you've said. What tips or advice do you have for mothers who are building a brand of their own? And do you have any learnings that you've, you know, come across along the way? I mean, it's bloody hard. Yeah. It's hard. I remember both of my children, I think I was sending lookbooks out while they were having their first feed. You know, so just, you know, I've got a kid here and I've got someone breastfeeding and I'm on the phone and I'm emailing something and it's not, it never ends. That's the thing about having a business that you own and that you drive and that you love and that you're passionate about. It all just fits in with all of the children. It's chaos and it's not necessarily organised chaos either. It's literally just chaos. Yeah. I'm really lucky I have the support of my partner. So I'm the worker and he is with the children within our relationship, not to say he doesn't do a trillion other things, which he absolutely does and we're a team. Yeah. But, yeah, so we kind of, we, we we make it work together. But, yeah, my advice for women with children who want to start a business is to just kind of go for it and just believe you can do it because I yeah. don't think, I really think that so much of it has to do with your mindset mm-hmm. and doubting yourself and then not doubting yourself. Like I don't know, I don't actually think, like even in times, all business owners, I've been a business owner for 20 years, you're, you have times where you literally could go broke. And that that's a state of mind. You can let it get to you or you can just go, no, it's just not going to happen. I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep working. I'm not going to put something to happen. Yeah, yeah, cool, a big bump. That's a massive bump. But we'll be right. We'll just get through and we'll just do this. And you just like, you just manoeuvre and you, you know, so, and then you just raise the kids in between. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and then figure out ways to cope with the mother guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> it'll be there. I love that. Yeah. But I mean, my children, they've seen me work their whole lives. And I think that that's actually incredible for them. I remember my daughter, Coco, I remember so clearly. I think she was two. And she came and sat on my lap. I was sitting at the table doing some work. She came to me lap. She goes, excuse me, mummy. Excuse me, mummy. I've got to draw my emails. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, no. What have I done? Teaching them young. (laughs) I know. I mean, easy to say, but I do my best to be present and to be there with them when I'm with them. You always always beat yourself up about, about that sort of stuff and it goes so quickly. Yeah. So it's not easy. It's definitely not easy and I certainly haven't got it dialed and yeah. I'm not sure any any mothers who <laughs> work and try and do both, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And what's been your proudest achievement in business to date? Just surviving it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> having one. Having one for 20 years. Yeah. And staying with it. And I suppose, I suppose I'm proud of the fact that I still love it. Hmm. And if I, you know, if I lost everything this week, I'd probably just start the same business again because I love it yeah. and it's my passion and, you know, succeeding in it. But also just I'm just I just feel happy and grateful to be able to do what I absolutely love mm. for work and to be yeah. able to provide for our family absolutely. whilst doing something that we absolutely love. And, you know, sometimes it's really, really hard and it's exhausting and I've had a holiday in two years because the world's gone <laughs> mad these last two years. So it's like, you know, full on, but, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, because I know you were recognised as Harper's Bazaar, uh, Harper's Bazaar Women of the Year in 2017. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty up there. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like That's for you cool. receiving that? 
it was a real wow moment. I've got the yeah. magazine here. I was pretty, oh, really? I was pretty proud. Yeah, it was really, it was really, really exciting. I was really proud to be recognised in, yeah. in that in that year. Yeah, I mean, and I love that the focus on the article as well was was around the charities and yeah, how, that's lovely. You know, that all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I was I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, but yeah, you know. <laughs> Lovely. And you also have a beautiful children's line uh-huh. named Little August. Uh-huh. So when did this come about and why did you decide to expand into children's wear? And I can only imagine it's because you have two daughters, uh-huh. but I've got to yeah. ask the question yeah. anyway. Is, that's exactly why. So, <laughs> and I remember the moment it happened, I was in my factory in Bali because we're, both of our children, we lived there until the children were four and three and four, I think. And we were just playing in the factory and I was with the tailors and we, we had some excess fabric and we just stitched it into a skirt together and threw it on my daughter. We made yeah. this huge big skirt out of some offcuts and she was just spinning, spinning and spinning Aww. and spinning. And you couldn't really find, like I couldn't really find at that time maxi skirts for kids. So yeah. it really started with the intent, like I started, I did this little collection and every single piece was designed with the intention that the little girl could spin in it. Yeah, I love and, that. And, you know, so there was super voluminous. There was a lot of fabric and they just would just spin and spin and spin. And so my girls at the time when I started it, I think were, oh, gosh, I think maybe I even had it when Frankie was one. They were little, you know, like two and three. Yeah. And I managed to keep them wearing it until they were about five and six. Good. And now the little punks just wear shorts and T-shirts. And like, <laughs> I won't even touch them. They're embarrassed to give their friends little August for presents. And I'm like, oh my like you don't understand. It's really cool. I'm sure the mums are like, please. <laughs> like, this is amazing. I know. I know. So, yeah, that's how it started. And it's just kind of thing. And it's just I a little side. That. It's a little side part of the brand. But, you know, yeah. people love it. They love the mummy and me. Yeah, like it's the few gorgeous. times that I've managed to wear matching prints with the girls, I've actually oh, loved it. It's just such a nice. It's super cute. Cute. It's really yeah, cute. I love it. It's beautiful. I had a yeah. look and I'm just like, everything is so cute. I don't have kids, yeah. but if I did, I know where to go. Yeah. Especially something they can it. spin in. I love that part. Oh, it's so special. It's so yeah. special. And you see kids that have had their skirt for five years and because kids waste don't change that much. They just get taller. Yeah. Um, and so like I saw a little girl the other day who was 10 who was wearing her maxi skirt that she's had since she was three and it was wow. a and it was a mini skirt. Oh my god, I love <laughs> that. Was wearing it. No, <laughs> no, it's good. Sure. That's amazing. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And so what does the next year and beyond really look like for August the label? So the next year looks like honestly with everything that's happened with the retail industry over the last 12 months it's been a pretty hard slog so over the last while you know and I, I'm sure I speak for most fashion businesses right now we've really kind of pulled back our budgets and our, our aspirations of growth and everything for the next year until the industry and the economy stabilizes so for us it's really focusing on the product making sure that we are well for me personally I am getting more into the product I'm always I'm always I'm always in the product but I find it really difficult it's very difficult as a managing director to be in all the places that you need to be at that time so for my 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 focus for the next 12 months is to spend a lot more time in design and just focusing on making sure that we're still you know talking to all of the customers and all of the silhouettes that we've loved over the years so it's really just a big focus on from an operational standpoint just efficiencies and business operational sort of you know stuff but then on a creative on a creative note it's really just focusing on the product and making sure that we've got our best foot forward and you know this is more we've also re-entered wholesale which is a big deal 
So we left, we actually exited wholesale at the start of COVID, and we uh, so we weren't we, we had a couple of years out, and so we've gone back into wholesale in these last couple of months. So there's quite a big focus on that too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah. Yeah, awesome. That's great to hear. And so anyone that's listening, where can we shop the brand? Obviously, you just said wholesale, so that's good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where else can we have a look for stockists and shop? and and on the website, just augustthelabel.com. We've got got all of our stockists on there. We've got obviously you can buy through our boutique and Mm -hmm. just online. Perfect. Thank you. And to uh, wrap things up, I'd like to ask you a few random questions that I do with all my guests. So first one, if you could go back in time and live in any fashion era slash decade, which one would it be and why? Because I know you Mm -hmm. love your vintage fashion. Mm -hmm. The 70s. Yes. Oh my God, that's mine (laughs) as well. (laughs) Think about it. Half of my my wardrobe is vintage Levi flares. Oh my God. Such a flare advocate. Me too. Oh, flares are my life. I wish everyone else would get back on the train, though. I, I know. Buys them. I know. I'm like, I am so with you. 70s is my ultimate era. I have the uh, coolest sunglasses. Yeah. I have, like, these huge poppy Lissaman glasses, and I wear my flares, and I'm like, uh, I feel amazing. Uh, and you look amazing. <laughs> yeah. And flares just, era. like, yeah, and yeah. flares just, like, the way they lengthen your legs, and, oh. like, it just looks incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm completely with you. I love it. You said that. I actually recently got invited. I recently went to a 70s party. Oh. All of my friends were calling me, asking me to borrow clothes because half the wardrobe <laughs> is 70s. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. And if August Label was a celebrity, who would it be? Oh, gosh. Alexa Chung. Oh, I yeah. Yeah, you give off an Alexa cool. Chung vibe. That's the biggest compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. I love her. I think she's, she's cool, cool as hell. Yeah. yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. I love that. That's a good one. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, yeah, you actually give off an Alexa <laughs> Chung vibe. I love that. Okay. <laughs> and just by going by what, you know, you have at August Label, I wanted to know your personal favorite. So do you prefer to wear a maxi dress or like a shirt and pants combo? Like if you had to choose one to wear forever, which one? You know, it'd be a black t-shirt and black jeans, if I'm really honest. Yeah. If it was yeah. forever. I, yeah. I, I flick. I'm either in all black, super mm-hmm. basic, or I'm in the most feminine dress you could ever wear. So it's <laughs> kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm both. So yeah. I, that's a hard one. I'd like one of those outfits that split straight down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could come out with that. <laughs> so, you know, you can have like business on one side, yeah. party on the other. <laughs> that's your new collection done. <laughs> I love that. Ebony, you have been fantastic to chat to. Thank you so much for joining me on Fashion Avenue. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Fashion Avenue. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with all things Fashion Avenue and the latest happenings, you can follow us on Instagram and sign up to our newsletter. All the links are down below and I'll catch you in the next episode of Fashion Avenue.